You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello, and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West, and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. I'm joined by Clive Maguchu, Senior Strategist at State Street Global Advisors, and Sandra Ning, Director of Sales Engineering at Charles River Development, a State Street company. Today, we'll be discussing the growing interest among Australia's superannuation funds in a total portfolio approach to the construction of investment portfolios. Tasked with delivering better retirement outcomes to members, super funds are increasingly being challenged to provide outcome-based solutions that address individual preferences around risk, liquidity, and environment, social, and governance factors, or ESG. However, traditional portfolio management approaches were not designed to deliver these types of outcomes. A total portfolio approach allows a fund manager to shift from asset class to risk factor exposures and presents an opportunity to build a collaborative culture across investment teams and in focus on delivering targeted outcomes. So Clive and Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Great to be here. As the name suggests, a total portfolio approach has often been referred to as a more joined-up investment philosophy. Kicking off with you, Clive, can you define and share an overview of TPA and tell us what's driving the growing interest from Australian superannuation funds? Thanks, Gary. Uh, as you've mentioned already, uh, the TPA uh, approach really allows multi-asset portfolios to move away from the traditional way of, of segmenting uh, the portfolio into separate asset classes. So there are several key themes uh, or aspects of TPA that allow uh, this change to, to happen. The first is that TPA focuses more on diversification through factor exposures rather than asset class exposures. So the second aspect is that TPA is goals-based, uh, so there's less reliance on benchmark comparisons, which tend to be asset class-based mostly. And lastly, uh, TPA really is about managing the portfolio holistically uh, rather than in a, in a silo uh, fashion. So this allows all asset classes uh, to be considered together uh, for how well suited they are to help the portfolio achieve its ultimate goals, uh, resulting in a well-diversified portfolio. As a follow-up, Clive, what's the take-up of TPA been like among super funds and how widespread is its use now? Well, there's been an increased uh, interest in TPA over the last few years, and there's several reasons uh, are driving that increased interest. Uh, the first thing, obviously, is that from the evidence we've seen so far from the funds that have uh, successfully implemented TPA, for example, the Future Fund, it shows that TPA does produce compelling returns compared to the traditional way super funds have been investing. The second reason is the increased need for funds to assess their investments uh, through multiple lenses. Uh, so consider other aspects that you've mentioned, such as uh, ESG, specific client goals and regulatory matters, uh, which all contribute to uh, making the environment that our super funds operate in a little bit more complex. And these are aspects that haven't been traditionally covered in a, in a traditional SAA approach. So TPA gives a framework for super funds to deal with this uh, more complex environment. And I guess one other factor that, that did come up during the pandemic was the importance of integrating liquidity into portfolio construction. And that's another key aspect that's been driving the increased interest in, in TPA. Well, just a quick follow-up question, SAA? 
let's say it's strategic asset allocation. It's just been around for so long. I just feel like uh, everyone knows what that is. Thank you. Sandra, as funds transition from strategic asset allocation, SAA, to TPA, what are some of the considerations for investment teams from a data analytics and technology perspective? Okay, so as Clive has alluded to, the TPA is, is more of a, a joined up approach. So the investment teams do have to have a much more holistic view of the investment portfolio. So what that means is that each member of the investment team actually needs to consider the overall contribution to the portfolio's stated goals. So whether that be managing the risk, maximising returns, or looking at other factors, they need to look at that holistically. So in effect, this is creating competition for investment capital amongst the team members, and that stands in sharp contrast to filling an allocation within a particular asset class as they would with a strategic asset allocation. So what that means is that the firms actually now need to have a central repository of all of their investment assets so that they can actually aggregate all of the portfolio exposures and to monitor risk and exposure across a common set of factors across all of those different assets. The challenge from a technology perspective is that firms may actually use different portfolio management systems to manage each of their traditional asset classes of equity, fixed income and cash as well as in-house or specialist systems for the alternative assets such as infrastructure, property, private equity, commodities and and digital assets. There may also be separate risk systems used for each of the asset classes and most likely different risk attributes that are actually being assessed for, for each asset class. So this actually results in multiple data silos that need to be harmonized across the entire book of assets into a single investment platform. Given that there's focus on allocating to risk exposures rather than across asset classes, the risk analytics across the investment universe is also important. So firms need to collaborate and also research risk models that are actually going to be appropriate for their investment universe and their investment objectives. And they then need to go and source this data as part of the investment decision-making process. Now, this may result in an initial and ongoing review of the different risk factor methodologies and the models, and then an agreement amongst the members of those teams. A centralised foundation for aggregating, validating and distributing data is also key. Multi-asset investment platforms with a data management and integrated risk analytics can help address the challenges that companies may have with disparate systems across various asset classes. Firms will also need to consider the technology platforms to achieve this, but they'll also need to consider whether they expand their data and operations teams to support the additional data demands or whether they outsource this to asset servicing providers. So I guess the key is, is that there's a lot of things that people need to look at, but you know, having something like a multi-asset investment platform that has integrated data management as well as risk analytics, that can address some of the challenges that they have with disparate systems across the various asset classes at the moment. So really a lot to consider from an operations and uh, technology perspective. But as cloud platforms are more widely adopted, uh, funds should be able to leverage artificial intelligence and other technologies to enable more agility around their data. Clive, how can TPA deliver better outcomes for members? And what are some of the advantages compared to traditional asset allocation approaches? 
Thanks, Gary. Uh, TPA explicitly focuses on making sure that the portfolio achieves the desired goals of the investor. Uh, so in this case, we'll be talking about plan members. So plan members should benefit more from an investment approach that is goals-based rather than based on ensuring that certain asset class exposures are maintained and measured on a benchmark relative uh, basis rather than an absolute return basis. So in theory, plan members uh, can be more explicit about the financial outcomes that they want from their investments. And for the funds to, to be more flexible in how uh, they invest to be able to meet those financial needs uh, without being restricted by asset class boundaries uh, or being overly sensitive to what other peer funds are doing, even though those funds may have different sort of plan member profiles. So these financial outcomes generally can, can include aspects that are not uh, explicitly covered in a traditional asset allocation process unless there's an overlay that is included, um, such as liquidity requirements, income generation, and inflation protection, and drawdown sensitivity. So the more dynamic nature of TPA also means that plan members are likely to be better off uh, with funds that are able to shift their investments in response to changes to, to the investment environment. Absolutely. And I think the dynamism in approach helps funds uh, to be more focused around member needs and offers those leading the way with a point of differentiation. Perhaps a question for both of you is, what role do private assets and ESG play in TPA? Sandra, starting with you. Okay, so from the evidence that we've seen with organisations that are implementing TPA, there does seem to be a greater allocation to alternative and private assets. And our large superannuation funds in particular have been leading the way in searching for diversification through private loans, infrastructure products, and also private equity. Now, this may be related to some of the longer-term strategies that the super funds have and the absolute return targets, and then other policies as well, such as social contributions under any ESG policies. And that's all coming under a, a total portfolio approach. So ESG policies and regulations, they have a different set of goals to the traditional methods of asset allocation and looks beyond the traditional financial factors. Now, those ESG strategies can range from very basic negative positive screenings where the inclusion or exclusion is generally applied to a sector, geography or a region. But as funds start to incorporate the broader issue objectives, such as reducing greenhouse emissions, investing in sustainable energy or increasing workplace diversity, Recognising that every single investment opportunity has an impact on achieving these goals is one way that the total portfolio approach is helping our superannuation funds with implementing their ESG strategies. Yeah, I can add to some of Sandra's comments. Um, and one of the key advantages of TPA is that it targets uh, true diversification. And this is certainly available, uh, as we've seen over the last couple of years, it's uh, certainly available in alternatives. So with TPA, all things being equal, you tend to have higher allocations to alternatives than from a traditional SAA approach. So I think uh, alts definitely play an important role in TPA. One of the challenges, though, associated with these increased allocations is that you don't have an easy access to the current liquidity position of the uh, portfolio uh, and the information around the exposures or holdings across both public and private assets 
becomes quite hard to to look at on a holistic uh, basis. So one thing investors should be wary of is that liquidity does become a major concern for investors that are heavily invested in in alternatives. So yeah, and that could also lead to the funds not having the ability to be as dynamic as they can be under a TPA approach. As the regulatory space continues to evolve for private assets and ESG, I expect this will continue to evolve. One final question before we finish. How is the team at State Street helping superannuation funds leverage the benefits of TPA? So one of our key business strategies is State Street Alpha. It's a single front-to-back asset servicing platform across the entire book of investment assets. So that includes front office portfolio management, trading and compliance, Risk across the entire investment book can be managed in the Charge River Investment Management Solution and using risk analytics from our partners, MSCI, Factset and Quantigo. The factor models that are offered by these vendors provide a common set of factors applied across all asset classes, including private and alternative assets. Our outsourced asset servicing, data management and governance solutions help deliver timely and accurate data that's needed to provide the total portfolio level analytics, enable teams to run simulations and portfolio stress tests. For example, looking at the different sets of possible investments and the impact on the total portfolio, as well as comparing different investment ideas to see what the best outcome would be. State Street also offers ESG-specific reporting packages that help clients with regulatory and industry standard reporting obligations. Clients can subscribe to additional risk and liquidity reporting services to help meet the global reporting requirements. I guess another important differentiator is the work that our servicing team does to generate a true start-of-day view across the whole of fund. We provide services to many of the largest global asset managers and also count superannuation funds as their clients. These services include the data management, validation and governance to deliver a true investment book of record and exposure book of record at the start of each trading day so that the funds can make better informed investment and risk decisions. Absolutely. Just one final question. Can either of you comment on what the returns have been from TPA versus uh, SAA over time? Uh, Yes, uh, we've seen a number of of funds that have adopted uh, TPA achieve very attractive returns relative to traditional SAA approach. So that's definitely one of the things that's been driving increased interest in, in TPA approach around the world. And it's particularly evident across the uh, sovereign wealth funds. And here, of course, we've got the future fund that's adopted TPA and has achieved excellent results so far. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Sandra Ning and Clive Magachu. For more episodes of Super Talk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 